Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Blaster.com headquarters in 30 Rockefeller Plaza, New York City. This is episode 53. Who won the week? The podcast dedicated to the top stories from the week in geek. It is December 9th, 2016, and I am Adam Swiderski, editor in chief of Blaster. Joining me, as always, is uh, Danny Roth, uh, shapeshifter, trickster, uh, a demigod of the wind and sea, and hero of men and women. Wow. That is a much better list of titles than I have. Fantastic gardener. The guy that invented that poo-pourri stuff. All right. I've done a lot of things. We I'm have a so real much, entrepreneur. Yeah, we have so much to thank you for. Uh, You're welcome. Our usual cohort, cohort, Aaron Sagers, is abroad traveling the world looking for lost treasures and ancient secrets. Hopefully he found some of them, but... Uh, we tried. We were going to dial him in, but we had a little technical difficulties. So hopefully, uh, we apologize for that. It's just going to be a two-person show today, but we'll try to make it just as exciting as it always is. Um, and sorry, Aaron, we miss you. Um, anyway, so some stuff is happening this week. December is usually kind of a dead period for uh, entertainment as things kind of wind down for the end of the year. But there's some big things going on, uh, which we will talk about soon. We will talk about Westworld. Wrapping up, and we will talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Two trailers, a domestic trailer and a national trailer, released just last night. And uh, definitely give you our reaction to that. And then we're going to dive into some holiday stuff. It being December, uh, talking about gifts, talking about horror films centered around the holiday. It's going to be very, very festive. We, uh, I've got my deer antlers on, my reindeer antlers on. Danny has a star on top of his head. It's it's very festive here. At yeah, like the Sims, but Christmas year. Exactly, with a lot less uh, fire and screaming and death. That, that was my Sims experience. I don't know. Is that just me? No, it's just a lot of nudity. I mean, death <laughs> for everybody, but yeah. yeah, like weird, uncomfortable sex. Finding unique ways to create the most uncomfortable and potentially tragic situations possible. The Sims from Electronic Arts. Yeah. 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 Anyway, but first... uh, It's the basis for Westworld, actually. (laughs) Exactly. As usual, we like to uh, kick things off with a little discussion of what's winning our week. So, Danny, what what, what have you been up to this week? What are you into? Um, It's Moana. Um, Uh, The the new Disney film that uh, is trying really hard to say that it's not a Disney princess movie, even though it's totally a Disney princess movie. And I don't know why they're apologizing for that in any way, because it really doesn't matter. It's... I would say easily the best Disney princess movie of all time. Wow. That's right. I know it has only Take been that, out for about Snow two, White. two weeks. Yeah, suck it, Snowy. Um, boy, that made me sound like I was talking <laughs> dirty to, to Tintin's dog. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Anyway, Moana's a really great movie. Um, it's it's the best. I pitched this to you. There'll be an article that'll come out next week um, entitled, uh, what did I call it? 
Uh, Moana is the best all ages heroes journey since Star Wars. And right. and I would stand by that. They Take should... that, Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, they should put that on the back of the Blu-ray. You're welcome. I put my name under there. No one will care if you, who. But <laughs> it, The Rock is amazing. Um, the young actress that they got to play Moana is amazing. The music is fantastic. Um, obviously, Lin-Manuel Miranda did his thing. It's crazy to think that when they hired him, because this movie has been in process for, I think, over five years so he, he was not quite that guy yet. Right. Because Hamilton was not a thing. Um, he It was still in the heights for him. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of phenomenal that you can see. I mean, it's very collaborative. There are a couple other folks involved on the music. And it's very Polynesian. There are not a lot of white people involved in the uh, the process of that film. It's great. It's really good. Uh, I don't know why I'm still talking. Go see it. If you no, haven't seen no, it. And no romance, right? That's uh, there. I mean, like, way to ruin it. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. There's no romance. Um, but there is a lot Which is of unique for any film these days. It's, it's like got, every it's got, film gets it's, a romantic it's got a sassy granny, and that is the thing that I love most in life. That's what I aspire to be. I'm gonna grow up one of these days. I'll be a sassy granny that yeah. that hula's by the the ocean. Hashtag uh, goals. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Squad goals. Listen, if you haven't seen Moana and you don't want to see it alone, I'll go with you. That's true. Wow. I'll see Moana as many times as it takes to make sure that everybody sees Moana. What's winning your week, Adam? <laughs> uh, nothing quite that thrilling, I guess. No, I, uh, I'm back on the gaming thing this week. I'm not going to say XCOM 2, even though I am still playing XCOM 2. It's been slow going in my uh, resistance to alien occupation. But another uh, turn-based tactical game with a strategy overlay, a Massive Chalice from Double Fine Entertainment, uh, Tim Schafer's company. Not Tim Schafer didn't work on the game, as far as I remember. But uh, his company put it out, and it was a Kickstarter, and I think they were successful there, but it's been a long time coming, and it's been out for a while. There was a Steam sale. That's what's going on right now, mm. the Steam's winter sale, uh, and you can get all kinds of PC games super cheap, which is really, really dangerous when you put me in front of that because it's like, well, this is only $5, and suddenly I've spent you know $50 on 10 games that I will never finish. That's my that's my Steam pattern, but uh, massive way, way to shill for Steam. I know, I know. Well, uh, yeah, I learned to shill for listen, Disney, sir. Steam, Steam does not meet, need me to shill for them. The way <laughs> things are going, Disney but, needs uh, me very badly. It's true. But Massive Chalice is a game in which you are in charge of defending a kingdom from a demonic invasion, uh, and yeah, the battles are all these turn-based, you know, tactical things where you have different classes of characters and you move them around and fight demons and all that stuff but the the fun part is that there's a lot of um i'm trying to think of the way to put this that you basically breed your characters that you use in the game so you've got all these heroes that are in your stable kind of and you're like okay i want these two characters to get together and get busy and they do and they will have offspring and as time passes the characters you have age and eventually die and are replaced by these new characters that are being born. But you can, and it's kind of like trying to find the combinations of traits within the characters that you can put together to create offspring that have other traits that you want for, uh, so it's eugenics basically. 
That's <laughs> in a good I've way. I've always wanted to know where where uh, where little heroes came from. Yes, so. exactly. From big heroes, apparently. Wow. But yeah, so no, and it, it, it gets fun because it's like you know you're mixing and matching all these different characters, and they've got they've got good traits and bad traits. Somebody could be like a drunk, or somebody could be you know, I don't know, uh, a coward, or somebody could just be trigger happy, and and all these traits will get passed on down to their offspring. So you're constantly trying to generate new heroes as your old heroes die off. It takes place over a long period of time and uh you know you get you get invested when you've when you've taken part in in someone's birth you get invested in those characters so when they die horribly on the battlefield you're very sad i just want there to uh, be they triumph, i want there to be a situation where in like you're trying to breed an arnold but you wind up with a danny devito instead oh no that's that's definitely something that happens that's what i like yeah. all right now i like it they should just so, call it twins they should Wins the go. game. That's God, that's that's what that's what that's what it is. Yeah. Are you excited about um, Full Throttle getting a, an HD remake? Did Ye- you play that one? As I a, did as, play as Full Throttle. I, I am less. I'm never really excited about the HD remakes, just because like to me the story of the game was the best part, and I know the story now. I don't know. I don't need to see it again in HD. I guess, mm. but that's just me. I I, I know that there's a big. I enjoy doing the Grim Fandango, uh, and I like Full Throttle. So yeah, I once wrote a I once wrote a stage adaptation of Grim Fandango for theater, and I sh- I talked to Tim Schafer about it at a Microsoft gaming event back when I was a games journalist. How did he? And feel he was about psyched, that? man. He was psyched. I'm sure. Lucas, was, was he really psyched? He seemed psyched. He seemed very touched. But that could have just been a professional thing, and he secretly went home and like Googled me, and then well, he ain't got sued, so yeah. that's all that really well, matters. I no, I didn't actually put it up. You know, I mean, we never oh, got okay. around to producing it because I'm sure that Lucas Arts would not have been. That was the thing is he didn't own the rights to it anymore. Oh right, Lucas Arts owned it because he had left Lucas Arts. Um, this was when he was developing Psychonauts for Microsoft, and uh, yeah, but anyway, Grim Fandango's great. Everyone should check that out, too. And now nobody has to wonder. I think there's always that idea. They're like, oh, these sci-fi guys, are they really, are they really that nerdy? Yes. That's, that, is, that is the proof, my yes, friend. Yes, we are. You can't get a lot nerdier than that. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, that Massive Chalice winning my week. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best game ever. It's not, as, it's not as on the level with like an XCOM 2 from a tactical strategy game. But it's been an entertaining diversion during the beginning of the holiday season. So, yeah, that's what's winning our week. We want to hear what's winning your week, so definitely let us know in the comments or tweet at us or rate and review us on iTunes and let us know uh, what you're up to these days because we love to hear from you. Um, But from there, we will move on to some news. I don't know why I said it that way. Uh, Yeah, so some stuff going on this week. We'll get the, the first one, the early part of the week out of the way first, which was Westworld, the big HBO series uh, finaled this week. Danny, you are a Westworld fan, so I'm going to put this one in your court because I did not watch the show. All right. So I want to hear all about it. ruin it it for you. Tell Uh, me all about Westworld and why I should care. uh, It is a series about robots in the West. Go watch it. Next topic. All right. um, Listen, uh, I, I mean... What was it last week where in I had only watched, I think, five episodes. I was rapidly trying to get through the whole thing so that I could declare it the the best new TV show of the year because that's what everyone had said until everybody said that it's not that great, guys. It's kind of overrated. It's not that deep. 
Um, that's every everything that happens. Everything uh, that's good that must package. also immediately be bad. Somebody yeah. somebody has to have a hot take. It's the most tepid take of 2016, I believe, is what I tweeted yesterday. Is that Westworld isn't actually that deep, you guys? But um, it's pretty good, and I think just like the original Westworld, it's a thing where it invites depth, but it's up to you, really. You know, mm-hmm. I think the stuff that seems deep at first is just the bad robot. Like, it's very lost, fringe. You have to look at all of the details to try and figure out where the story is going, and that can seem deep, but it's not really. It's just some shallow nonsense, but it's really entertaining shallow nonsense. Um, I feel bad spoiling it, though. It's such an entertaining story. Well, let uh, me just, so let's just talk quality first. Like, sure. I, everything I saw on social media, people were freaking out about the finale. Would you say... It was it met your expectations. Uh, it was definitely the the right kind of finale um, for a show like this, and I think in in general, um, they answered most of your questions, left just the right kinds of things that feel as though they're setting up a season two that's going to be as has been confirmed by the people that created it. Very different, you know. This first season was supposed to be about setting up the order of things, and season two, which is not coming out until 2018, um, is supposed to be about the chaos that ensues when order breaks down. Um, I think it's really interesting. Somebody said this on Twitter, and I don't have their name in front of me. They thought BuzzFeed was going to rip them off, but ha it's me. Um, there is a situation wherein um, Evan Rachel Wood, who plays this character, Dolores, uh, who is one of the hosts, one of the robots, um, runs afoul and is in the constant conflict and relationship of sorts with the man in black who is played by Ed Harris. And Ed Harris's character is trying to solve the maze, and he keeps being told repeatedly that the maze is not for him. The maze is for the hosts. But it's, he demands that it must be for him, and it's sort of a metaphor for life, right? that the rich white guy thinks everything must belong to him and here the the oppressed minority says hey this one thing is ours and he's nope it's mine because everything is mine uh and it works out about as well as you might think there's a if the if the show has a tagline the tagline is these violent delights have violent ends and that is certainly a phrase that is made good upon in the finale. Hmm. Let's put it that way. It is. It can be a very bleak show. Um, a lot of my friends find it to be hopeful. I think it's really ambivalent, but I do think that um, it's hard to pin down what the intention was, but certainly when I watched it, what I thought it was saying was akin to that what that person was tweeting about because if you look there's this element of rebellion and how much can you truly rebel when you live in a society that is so deeply controlled and that makes a great parallel to real life right because look at the way in which we rebel now so much of it is through online activism and it's not that it's ineffectual but it is kind of largely scripted. There, It's very hard to sort of go completely out of the realms of what people expect you to do or what you actually can do within the auspices of that. Um, so how much control do you really have? And I think that's very interesting. Um, 
I think it's also interesting that um, society has so well mirrored this show because you look and you see stuff like, for example, as far as how much control do you have, you could be fooled for a second and think about um, the fact that the president-elect was largely elected because of, you know, fake news and um, a group that likes to call itself the alt-right who used the internet quite effectively, um, but they aren't an oppressed minority. They just reestablished the existing system of white men dominating all, which is not that hard to do, it turns out. Um, but I think that there is, um, the show would suggest that there is a consequence to doing that, to trying mm -hmm. to keep dominating things and keep trying to keep the, the script scripted. Uh, and that is that no matter how well script scripted you can try and keep the order, eventually chaos is going to take over. And if you try to control minorities in a world that is ostensibly theirs, eventually they're going to realize that it's not your world, it is their world, and they'll do whatever they have to do in order to take it back. Um, it's It's cool. And it plays with time, the show, and uh, anyway. Who would you say, who would you call the MVP of season one? Who was your favorite performance? Oh, gosh. It's really, really hard to say. Um, I would say um, probably uh, Tani Newton, who plays uh, Maeve. She gets a really great story. She is the one who is um, seemingly rebelling her the most under her own, the engine of her own control, although... Even then, there is a bit of a question as to how true that is. It's really hard to say because everybody turns in a great performance. She's great. Evan Rachel Wood is great. Jeffrey Wright is great. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know. It's it's almost impossible. And uh, and James Marsden is in it. And anytime Cyclops gets a shot to not be Cyclops, I know that it's it's so weird that you know that was in two thousand. It's been sixteen years, and yet I feel like forever James Marsden is Scott Summers. Yeah. Um, with he, all with everything that comes with that, like I feel yeah. like he's this underrated. He know, really is not and as flashy actor, but he does. He puts in good work, man. He puts in solid work. He he plays uh, this this young sort of gunslinger, good guy, white hat, um, Teddy, and his story is tragic and and I, it's just so good. Uh, I don't know why people want to try and say that Westworld is not that great. It's pretty great. I mean, if you want to put an argument in the comments. If you want to explain why you think it's 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 not all that in a bag of chips, by all means. But I was definitely swayed by it. I I had heard a lot of negative things, so I was expecting not to think all that much about it. Uh, but man, it's so good. I don't know how I'm gonna survive until 2018. That is a long time. That's, I mean, I mean, we thought Game of Thrones was just taking a long time between seasons, and that's only been a year every time. But you know, I'll take it because. It's not going to be easy, and what they're going to have to do next season is going to, and this is a minor spoiler, be so completely different from what they did in the first season. It's it's going to be such a fundamentally different type of story. So if what they're saying is we're going to take about a year <laughs> to make sure that we script this thing right, um, I think that's probably for the best because <laughs> it's not. I think that as complex and as rich as the story was, um, it's prologue, and they've even admitted as much that this was the easy part. This is just the setup. The Westworld season one is just the prologue. Season two is the first true story, the post story of what it's really going to be about. And I think that's so fascinating because they really, I mean, you need a whole season to set up 
this world and how it operates. And I think what's so amazing is that they still haven't shown us what the human world is like. We have no idea. The world there, outside is, of Westworld. Yeah, is there even a human? Well, I mean, they suggest that there are other worlds other than Westworld. You know, in the movie, there's like, uh, oh no, I don't even remember where it is. I know. There's, I'm there's like Roman world, and I forget what the other one is. Like, it's like it's like, um, you know, like like knights and sorcery and right. stuff kind of world. medieval world. Medieval world. There you go. But there is going to be a samurai world that they introduce Ooh. the existence of, which I think is going to be pretty neat. And they've said that that you'll see some of Samurai World. But what is the real world like? Is there even a real world? Um, is everybody actually a robot or we robots? Um, I, it's, anyway, I've rambled a lot because I'm the only one in this room that's actually watched the show. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I'm but, a, I, no, it really makes me, I'm psyched to binge it when I, when I have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, see, I didn't do the thing. You, you okay. said you were going to get spoiled, that no matter what oh, you get well. spoiled, don't get spoiled. It's really, it's actually, even though, even though I think it's good even if you know everything, which is the hallmark of a truly great narrative, um, there are surprises in there that are gratifying because you can figure them out. That's the thing. Yeah. When someone says, oh, it was so predictable, I figured it out. But yeah, that means that there were clues and you followed them and you got there and you were right. And there were probably some things that you were wrong about too. And that mix of I figured it out, I didn't see it coming, these two different things that can happen because there are multiple narratives within this overall plot is to me, that's a great story. That's a yeah. great TV show. You should be able to figure some of it out. Right. If it's all a mystery, if it's all impossible, that's not great to me. I like being surprised, but I like being right too. I think everybody likes to be right. Well, and that's what I think that there's a bit of an obsession now with, with the twist and the, you know, the mystery box thing. And if you look at like something like Star Wars, when you spoke about the hero's journey earlier when that came out, nothing unpredictable about the plot of the original Star Wars movies. Yeah. At all. It's just perfect. still a great it's just story. A well told. executed yeah. version of that hero's journey. Yeah. But uh yeah. So that's that's I mean, that's the thing. It's like if you can figure out what's going on in Westworld, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that you know, you're they laid clues that you followed, like you said. Yeah. I mean look, if 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 you read some hot takes, some tepid takes in my opinion, saying don't bother watching it or it's not that good. I would just say, ju judge for yourself and get yeah. past the pilot because it is. I like a slow burn. That first episode is slow. Right. I like that, but it definitely speeds up and some wild stuff happens. And Sir Anthony Hopkins is deliciously complex and seemingly evil in some places and maybe benevolent in others. And oh, he's just such a. It's so amazing that a TV show can have. Anthony Hopkins on That's it. what I was going to say. I'm it's, still kind of wild. flabbergasted by that. He is just, I mean, he's just one of the best actors, period. And um, the character that he plays, uh, Dr. Robert Ford, is definitely worthy of such a great performer. Yeah. For sure. But I, like I said, you can't really pick one person. There really is not a bad performance in the lot. Everything is great. And anybody that dies, by the way, could always come back next season as a robot, or maybe they were a robot and the real version is hiding someplace else. What? It's it's just I like the idea better that like the real person died and then they wanted to die because they don't like the idea of humanity. Um, because there is a little bit of that. Um, Doctor Doctor Ford says something about um, you should never trust human beings because they'll always disappoint you. And I thought that is so happy holidays. That everyone. is so depressingly yeah. true. <laughs> 
Anyway, it's it's really it's I don't know, whatever. It's great. It's yeah. it or at the very least, it's very good. So if you have not watched it, watch it. Don't let the tepid takes fool you. It is worth your time. And the finale is uh really solid. And um there is a moment when um Ed Harris smiles at a bad thing and uh, you will also smile at that bad thing. Uh there's sometimes where horrible tragedy will strike and you'll go, Wow. This is so deliciously earned. Uh, anyway, what else do you want to talk Westworld. about? Westworld. No, so that was, hey, that was Westworld at the beginning of the week. Yeah. Now we get to the end of the week, and last night there was a big moment for those of us in the nerdosphere, uh, which was the release of the first trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming. The first two. The first two trailers, although they're very similar. Yeah. Uh, you know, Largely. one was a domestic, one was international. Why, well, why don't you introduce this? I will you, gladly you, you are this. the Adrian Toomes, really, of, of, of the Blaster world. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> no, so Spider-Man: Homecoming, the upcoming film. I don't, you know, God, this is terrible. I don't even know who's directing it. And no, I actually probably, have also forgotten. Where's Aaron? That's actually kind of the way things are in the modern sphere. That you don't. It's even really weird. That. Yeah, the directors about Kevin are not. Feige is the name that everyone's saying attached to this. Because yeah, there's a weird thing about auteurs. The authorship of films. Is John Watts. Become... Oh yeah, that's right. John Watts of. Uh, what the heck did he do? Cop Car. Sure. Yeah. Which was this uh, independent film with Kevin Bacon that was actually supposed to be very good. I haven't seen it. But anyway. Uh, but no, but this is Spider-Man's first solo film now that he's back in the MCU fold. And uh, much younger Peter Parker, as we saw in Civil War, going back to high school. There have been some things said along the lines of this being having a John Hughes-type feel to it. But with the vulture, uh, you know, and uh, everything that goes with being Spider-Man. So the first trailer came out last night. Wait, wait, is the vulture also in the school? No, he's not, unfortunately, because no, the I vulture mean... is played by m- one Michael Keaton. Yeah, I yeah. He should... Having not gotten enough of playing a avian, I just I just want him with like a hoodie and a backwards cap. Yeah, <laughs> like in, like sneaking in the school Buscemi style. How do you do, fellow kids? Like, yes, exactly. That's what they should but do. But you know what? You know why he should be doing that? It should be in search of delicious hostess fruit pies. Yeah, that's what I want out of please, this movie. More please than explain else. for for the kids at home that don't know. What I know. Actually, this do. is probably dating myself pretty significantly. But back in the day, there was this whole advertising campaign that Hostess did with Marvel and DC Comics, where they would put yeah. uh, little one-page comic adventures in your comic books and also on the wrappers of their products, in which. Problems. Yeah, the very Joe Blow style of marketing. Yeah, in which villains would seek out hostess fruit pies or various pastries and the heroes would stop them. Or the hostess pastries would be uh, a key element in the hero foiling the villain's plot. of some. And the vulture was in there against Spider-Man. There was all kinds of crazy stuff going on over hostess fruit pies. What was your, really what, what's your favorite hostess fruit pie if you were going to commit an evil deed? Oh, okay, good. So we're, we're on the same boat. Yeah, yeah. We're on the cherry boat. Yeah, but... Uh, no, this so is make a really bad. That's, anytime I see the vulture, that's all I can think about is the hostess fruit pie thing, which is probably says something about me. Uh, anyway, anyway, about the trailer, about that trailer, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, did you see? Did you? I actually stayed up to watch because um, they debuted it on Jimmy Kimmel. Right? No, I didn't see it. They did something kind of kind of neat and adorable and a little cheesy, which is that they had um, outside of the studio, they had a couple hundred folks dressed up like Spider Man. And they all like ran across the street and then ran into the studio and filled the whole stage. 
wow. with people dressed like Spider-Man, and 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 one of them was Tom Holland. And uh, they're like, which one of you is Tom Holland? And you know, he starts pulling all the masks off, and then eventually, you know, Tom Holland like says that you know they're like, oh, can somebody do any flips or something? And Tom Holland comes out and proceeds to do some acrobatic flips, yeah. some gymnastic stuff. Yeah, some fancy footwork right on the stage. Um, in case you had any doubts that that the that the kid had really decided he wanted to be Spider Man for reals, and that is what he says. They're like, "Oh, you play Spider Man?" He's like, "No, no, 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 I am Spider Man," which is great. I feel that um, as much as I have enjoyed uh, Andrew Garfield and um, Tobey Maguire, I don't think either of them quite occupied the role that way. He really, yeah. I think that I think that that Tom Holland. In his heart, believes that he is Peter Parker now, <laughs> which is kind of neat. Which might be a problem for his future, but for now, for now it's great. I don't, I don't need to worry about Tom Holland's future. We're winning. Sorry, Tom yeah. Holland. Yeah. So no, so uh, and the trailer, yeah, I thought the trailer was cool. It showed off some, you know, the, the big thing about the trailer that we should talk about: Tony Stark, all over it. He's everywhere. He's got, he's got his little mentor relationship with Peter Parker that was kind of set up in Civil War. Um, I guess it Peter Parker might be interning at Stark Industries. I don't know exactly what's going on, but there was a lot of Tony Stark, a lot of Iron Man, and uh, you know, there's been some reaction online where people are a little concerned about that because they're saying, you know, is he gonna steal the spotlight from from Tom Holland and Spider Man? I tend to think that this is mostly a marketing thing where it's like hooking people with Robert Downey Jr.'s charming charmingness. Um I think that's, that's that? probably true. Um, I would say that if you are assuming that it doesn't suit a necessary narrative purpose, then you might be wrong. I don't want to say you are wrong. But um, I think that we've done this dance of introducing Spider-Man as a character so many times. And as essential as Uncle Ben may seem, um, we've kind of done that story to death. So I think it's interesting to say, so now Tony Stark is the Uncle Ben. Yeah. That's a very different relationship. That's a very different kind of person to teach you the lesson of, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility because Tony Stark is not as good about being responsible with power. Yeah. Uh, There's so a great line in the trailer where Tony Stark says, uh, don't do as I would do, don't do as I wouldn't do. There's a little gray area in the middle there. That's where you live. Tony Stark is the king of do as I say, not as I do. Right. He's very much that guy. So I think that's a very different relationship, and I think that makes for a very different kind of Spider-Man story and a very different kind of Spider-Man. So I think it's actually necessary. Um, if you're not going to just straight up do Miles Morales, this is sort of the bummer about it, right? I mean, I understand why it's not Miles, although when I tweeted that I liked the trailer, immediately the response was, and I don't want to bag on it, the person that said this because I understand, but uh, they said, how many times do we need to get the same white boy Peter Parker thing? We've This is now time number three. Couldn't we have just gotten Miles Morales? I love Spider-Man, but Miles, Miles Morales is what we should have gotten. And what's interesting is that Miles, his relationship with his uncle, his uncle's a thief and is a bit can- cantankerous and, a, you know, not necessarily sinister always, but, you know, Tony Stark um, is technically a hero, I guess. But he does some really, I mean, Ultron exists because of him in this version of the story. I mean, he does some really questionable things. So to me, this story that they're telling um, and that they've got um, uh, Jacob Batalon playing Ned Leeds, um, everything about it is a little bit more 
uh, of a Miles Morales story with almost a little bit like if he's going to have a friend that's buddies with him, that's almost got a little bit of shades of um, uh, Blue Beetle, the second of the Blue Beetles, not not the Ted Cord Blue Beetle, but uh, Jaime, who has like buddies with him and stuff. Uh, so and maybe a little static shock, too. So it's surprising to me that they've done all this stuff. I mean, maybe surprising is not the word, but that they've taken um, the white Peter Parker and applied some of the non-white versions like the Miles and, and Jaime and, and Static Shock, these guys. They've taken some of those story elements and infused this version of Peter Parker with them, seemingly. I mean, it's it's a minute and a half trailer. Yeah, I'm maybe reaching a little bit, but it's how it seems. What did you like about it, Adam? Well, uh, I liked a lot. I mean, I think, first of all, Tom Holland. You know, you said it before. It, it, I think he's great in this part. I think he's brings Andrew Garfield. I I admired his passion for it, but I never felt like he was a great fit for a Peter Parker type character. And uh, I feel like Tom Holland nails that in a way. When you hear him quipping, you know, the first the opening scene of the trailer or one of the opening scenes of the trailer is him breaking up a a ATM robbery with a very funny gag of uh, all the robbers are wearing Avengers masks. And, uh, you know, Peter Parker gets some nice wordplay. He's like, hey, that. you guys, yeah, you guys aren't the real movie. Avengers. Yeah. So. I, could, I could tell because the Hulk gave it away. Yeah. Uh, but that whole that whole moment and, and just the way he he's quippy and, and sharp and just, you know, dodging punches and does a cool thing where he blocks somebody's elbow and turns it into a punch. Somebody else. It feels really Spider-Man-y and, and, and Peter Parker as a young person, Spider-Man-y. I think that he's sort of best of both worlds yeah. for me because um, he's got the insecurity right? Um, that Tobey Maguire had, I think, which I find lends very well to Peter Parker. And he's got the quick wittiness of Andrew Garfield when he's playing Spider-Man. Right. And I think that that is what so far in this minute and a half uh, is working for me about mm-hmm. him because there are elements that you need from both. What's your favorite Spider-Man movie, by the way? What's the one that this has to live up to? Two. Okay. Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi with uh, Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus. Man, so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, And I mean, Michael Keaton is a pretty worthy successor to Molina for sure. Yeah, it'll be really, I'm really excited to see more of him. I mean, so it's, that was the other thing too. And it seems like if you watch the international trailer, you get a little more Keaton and a little more dialogue out of the Vulture talking about this escalation Right. thing where it's like, oh, the heroes have crazy technology, so we should have crazy technology. And that seems to be, you know, I'm, I'm just now finally wrapping up Luke Cage. And this seems to be a plot that is playing out across the entire Marvel cinematic slash television universe, which is this idea that once you get superheroes, that's where the supervillains come from because they have to step up their game. And it's this like increasing arms race in terms of powers and technology between heroes and villains. Um but so and it, it, like to me, Michael Keaton's uh, Michael Keaton's the vultures, they're the same person uh, whole setup. He's got mechanical wings, looked kind of Falcon esque to me. He also had kind of a flight mask looking mask. So I, he I looks I, like the Green Goblin to me. Well, yeah, except way cooler. Yeah, He's yeah. I mean, I think he looks cooler than the Green Goblin. Definitely. Uh, but it, I think it, it's, it's more grounded and I think it's going to come, I think, you know, ex-military kind of thing and. Probably be along the same lines as where the Falcon get his gets his stuff from, and I don't know. I'm really it's the Vulture has always been such a a and maybe it's because of the era I grew up in was such a goofy villain. But I is he? No, I, he's but, not. But that's but the, you know it, what's so interesting is that 
back in the day, you know, when you look at the beginning of the Spider-Man story, he was as important as Doc Ock. Right. You know, he's really central. He's a major figure in Spider-Man's world. Maybe not in, you know, the year of our Lord 2016, but, you know, in the 60s he sure was. Right. He, right. Was, a, he was a major character. He could be a little goofy. I get it. In the 80s especially, I think he was a little more. Sure. Uh, and, and he well, comics would, as a whole at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even, more. you know, that the, the Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s, he's pretty yeah. goofy too. I mean, the whole show is a little ridiculous. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think Michael Keaton is just... Such a good actor, and um, you know the line that he says when he's not talking about the escalation. What is it? He I wrote it down. He's like, "If you mess with yeah, me, yeah, I'll don't, kill yeah, you." Goes, don't mess with me because love. I will kill you and everyone you love. And yeah. that's really, you know, that's not exactly the best. You know, that's not some stellar writing. You're like, "Wow, what a great line!" But you, he delivers it, and you go delivers the hell out of it. I yeah. believe that Michael Keaton will will kill everyone I care about. Um, if I mess with him because he's Michael Keaton, he's a da- he's a he's got a real edge to him and always has. That's why he was such a good Batman back in the day. Yeah. In, my, in my opinion, I always thought he was. You know, he's still. You know, you want to get nuts? Let's yeah, get nuts. That's my favorite. Michael he's, Keaton I know edge it's moment. it's so funny and and silly in a way, but also I, the guy is very edgy, and you know, and now he's playing a Birdman. Exactly. Ha, ha, he, ha, he did ha, not get ha, enough ha. of the avian uh, superhero or supervillain thing. That's the, that's, the, that's the first time and only time you'll hear. Any, no one will make no that No one joke else will ever catch onto that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in that trailer that, that really jumped Well, and I me. think the really interesting thing, too, is that like it's kind of this hybrid origin but not origin. It looks like we're not getting the origin story, which is a good thing. Right. But also, I mean, I he's, not, he's not an established hero at this point because we right. got him Ooh. in class like, Watching Captain America: Civil War, it looks like on his laptop. But I'm gonna, footage I'm gonna, of the the fight that he took part in, and he's all wistful and like, oh, I wish I could be a hero like the Avengers." And but he's not there because he wants to be. That's yeah. sort of the, it's. It almost seems as though this this uh, movie is sort of the proof that he could be an Avenger. He wants to be. Yeah. And Tony's sort of keeping an eye on him and keeping him at bay. Um, Here's the thing that Rob Ricken on io9 said. Um, he said, uh, I don't have the exact quote, but he basically said, oh, it's young. It's very young. Yeah. Too young? So I ask you, Adam, too young? No. Okay. And I will say- Back, back it up. <laughs> because it should be young. I, I, I just feel like we get into this idea that like, this is adult, like mature entertainment, and it's not. It's Spider Man. These comics were made for kids, and admittedly, I'm not against like more mature storytelling with these characters, but I I just feel like, you know, we've gotten into this obsession with everything having to be adult, and dark, and whatever, and it doesn't have to be that way. And it wasn't originally that way in Spider Man, especially. Part of the popularity is that he is young, you know, and he is a teenager and who's suddenly come into these amazing powers. And has to learn how to deal with that, um, and I think that's great. I don't. I don't want to see. I mean, maybe someday down the line, but I don't need to see grim dark Spider Man right now. You know, especially given how grim dark real life is. I. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think we need that. So I'm. I'm down for young, teenage, awkward, hormonal Spider Man, and I. I'm all in on that. I agree. I just was pressing you. That's fine. Um, I mean, as a person that has seen Moana twice in theater so yeah. far, so far, um, man, 
Moana, great musical. Spider-Man also seems like it could be very all ages. Someone should make a Spider-Man musical, huh? Yeah, that's a great idea. I bet idea. that would be really successful. Yeah, that would be a get, winner. Get Bono in there. Oh, my God. Uh, put it live on Broadway. No one will get hurt. There'll be no tears. <laughs> and no. Blood. I read there's a really interesting book about that that I can't remember the name of right now, but it's written by the guy who wrote the book for the musical. And it's like this is behind the scenes, like tell all about the process. It is harrowing and just really fascinating to watch. I mean, I should read it. I just always think about how silly the title for that is because it's always the dark man. You know what it is? I just uh, every time I I hear it, I think the same thing as I'm like, all right, who turned off the dark? Yeah, I don't know. It's got this very like that should be if they do a sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming and he's still in high school, that should be what they're producing for their high school musical. Oh my god. Because at that point and everyone someone will gets know really Spider-Man. badly injured. Yeah. Oh my god. That would be very meta. But no, I I I just and I think that there's a thing, you know, it's it's we look at a company like Pixar that we generally say like oh all their movies are really compelling for adults, but they're also really good for kids. They had they walk this line and there's no reason that you can't do that in a live action Spider-Man movie with the right skill. I agree, although Moana is is just Disney. But <laughs> Um, no, no, no. But I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, like that's. Oh no, I agree. With, I agree with the I Pixar agree. films, like something like the largely the best movies somehow um, can be a thing that's all ages. It's what's so impressive about yeah. the medium is that you can really stretch pretty far, surprisingly, in who you appeal to, and still tell something that's substantive and meaningful. And I don't think that means. I mean, you can't have some darkness. I mean, we've got Michael Keaton in there as the vulture saying, "I will kill you and everyone you love." That's certainly not like sunshine and rainbows and i'm gonna steal your hostess fruit pies but i don't know i i, I am totally down for for this yeah i love that teenage guy. spider-man vote for him for president um anyway uh fun fact the the partner the buddy for spider-man the, that character is uh is listed at least in imdb as as ned leeds ned leeds is one of the hobgoblins Interesting. So it'll be interesting to see where that story goes. Interesting to see um, where that character goes. Um, I like that. I'd, so that's the other thing that I'm really excited about. And what I guess some people didn't like about the domestic trailer, all that high school stuff. Yeah. Um, but I really like the idea of him having a, at least a buddy that knows. Because I think that that's just a better story. And we don't really get... As much of that so far, we really haven't had a lot of like a best friend knowing that Spider-Man was Spider-Man. Yeah, not really a thing that we've done before. Again, these are things that make the story distinct. And then there's Zendaya, who's playing Michelle. I I don't know why I did the air quotes. Like a nice bit of misdirection in the trailer too. You know, we get only the briefest looks at Zendaya. Right, that she's you know, but she's been insisting. Um, and uh, you'd say, well. Didn't we learn a lesson from Star Trek Into Darkness not to do it this way? But it's been just enough years that people might have forgotten that that's a bad idea. Uh, and also, I mean, you, if you're not, like, obsessively spending every five seconds saying, she's not Mary Jane, it's not as bad, right. I guess. I don't know. I'm always nervous about that idea because I don't believe for one second that she's not actually Mary Jane Watson. I'm pretty sure she's Mary Jane Watson, and that's fine. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, she's a maybe love interest and that, um, uh, uh, Liz Allen is the other yeah. character and that's another, uh, woman of color. So like, while, uh, it may be sort of like just picking at crumbs to still have the, the major lead be 
uh, a white guy and his mentor, a white guy and the villain, a white guy. It seems like everybody else isn't. So that's something, I guess. It's it's like this is like the complicated dance that we do. Yeah. You know, where um, the power seems to still be with old whitey, um, but you get more and more of these people on the fringe that yeah. uh, are people of color. I don't know. Because I, 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 I would have liked to see Miles Morales as well, but I'm I am actually okay with Peter Parker. I'm Another not... Peter Parker story, especially because I feel like I—I I, I think I, I wonder if I would feel differently if the last two Spider-Man movies hadn't been so bad or so disappointing. I guess because I don't—it's almost like I feel like we had our three, and I was happy with the first. Two That's okay. We can—you know—you can—you can say that that Amazing Spider-Man two sucked. Sucked. Yeah. Okay, it was—it was—you know—it was made. It was, you know, it was like made. Usually, you know what? Yeah. It was—it was made by committee, and that's the lesson: stop making movies by committee. Rant over off my soapbox. Continue. Yeah. Well, no, but so I was just saying, like, I I feel like the first two Spider-Man movies I definitely really enjoyed. Although Spider-Man more, and I don't know how well that holds up now. It's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, Spider-Man three. I actually got some like perverse delight out of watching it go so far completely off the rails. There, you know, I have a friend <laughs> for for whom Spider-Man three is his favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there is something oddly compelling yeah. about it. It's it's, it's it, so bonkers. It's it so is, bonkers, and in a way that. Uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is not, because Amazing Spider-Man 2 is bonkers, but in a way that I just don't even understand. Yeah, but even Spider-Man 2, like, at that point, he's a more mature Peter Parker, you know? So I don't feel like we've had this Peter Parker. Even Spider-Man 1, he, he, I mean, he was in high school, but we got the briefest bit of that life. I feel like we haven't had this Peter Parker story. So that's why, and especially, given it's like I'm almost ignoring the last two films, I, I don't feel overexposed to Peter Parker at this point, and uh, why I'm cool with with it being Peter Parker rather than Miles. I'm gonna Although get, I, I'm gonna I guess would it, love to get him. You know, hey, Spider Man. The yeah. next, the sequel. Suddenly, Miles Morales shows up. I'm down for that. Whatever, if they bring him in some way or, or launch a movie franchise with him at some point, I am totally down for that as well. When I listen, when I talk about that representation stuff, I listen. I'm just, I'm just bringing a, a voice to the voiceless. Yeah, no, I'm a real, I'm a real, I'm a real hero. Trix, trickster god, shapeshifter, yeah, demigod of the of the wind and sea, uh, hero to all. Well, and that's the thing, I guess, for me, like, had they had it just been. Had they just said, we're doing Miles Morales, I would have been like, great. I, I don't have a problem with that either. It's not like I was dying. I was, you know, dying on the hill of Peter Parker or nothing. It's just, I don't, I don't, I guess personally, it's hard for me to, I'm, you know, straight white male, card, et cetera, it's, but it's, I, it's, I, I don't have a problem with It's Peter different Parker. enough narratively. Yeah. I agree that you're going to get something new. You've got a lot of people of color in the mix. And, um, you know, I won't spoil, um, too much of Moana, but um, there is a, a concept uh, in there to be found, which is that um, maybe a bunch of guys fighting each other is not the best way to seek peaceful resolution. Uh, and it's very possible that part of the story is going to be that Tony Stark being a fighty guy in his suit and and Peter Parker in his fighty suit and Adrian Toomes in his fighty suit are not really doing good all the time right. and that maybe Adrian Toomes is not the only one that is doing things that are a little bit questionable and may do more harm than good. There's always room for that in a Spider-Man story, I think. Sure. That's because, I mean, with great power, yada, yada. Um, I think that's one of the core tenets of it and that's a way um, without Uncle Ben there and to have Tony Stark in his place who often does things that are questionable that are more harm than good um, even though he has these good intentions which pave the way to you know, 
whatever. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of potential there to sort of say, hey, look, these establishment white guys um, messed up and they have some things that they have to learn. And if they learn them from the voices of the people around them, then that is sort of a metaphor for real life. And there's certainly a possibility that that'll happen. And I want to give after a minute and a half of trailer the opportunity for this story and this movie to sort of maybe go that route to see where it takes us. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a minute and a half and as much as I would have also liked Miles Morales, I'm not going to immediately say no, nah, I'm not going to watch this yeah. movie because you know whitepeoplebad.com. <laughs> it's okay. But uh I mean you know and and a lot of excitement online around this trailer. I think people are pretty uh there was a lot of, you know, Spider-Man finally feels like Spider-Man kind of thing. I guess we'll see how that bears out. Again, we are looking at a minute and a half and uh, and also whatever we had from Civil War. Uh, but, yeah, definitely we want to hear from you as well and let us know what you thought of the trailer and what you think of uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, Michael Keaton's Vulture, etc. Um, we don't have a ton. Of, we actually ended up talking a lot about this stuff. But we can dip into some holiday, holiday discussion, some holiday talk. Uh, it's coming up. Yeah. Geeky Christmas. Wait, are you going to just very quickly, are, yeah. you, are you in town or are you going out of town? I will be out of town, but not too far. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm way out. Where are you going? I'm going to Tennessee. Wow. That's right. Is it just still on exa- fire? exactly that, the like, place where, where you'd expect me to go. Yeah. Tennessee. That is, where is it a part that's safe? Like there's I, all those As far as I know, yeah. I mean, I haven't, you know, I feel like my wife would know. My wife is paying more attention to that stuff. That is from whence she comes, from when she comes. Uh. Uh, so if that was not a safe place to be, I feel that when she called her mother up on the phone yesterday, there probably would have, there probably would have been like, don't come here. I'm literally on fire right now. Unless you have a a really big endless pail of water, um, you know, probably don't come to Tennessee right now. But, uh, yeah, it's sort of weird to be out of town. I got to figure out how I'm going to watch the Doctor Who special and all that stuff. Oh, the Doctor Who special. There's a Sense8 holiday special. Oh, that's right. I I guess I have like a week and a half to watch all of Sense8 finally. I know. The show that uh, that all of my friends are like, you haven't watched this? This is like, this show is made for you, sir. Um, But anyway, so we're both going to be out of town. So now you guys know, come rob our places. Um, (laughs) uh, But gift giving is, is always an entertaining time. Yeah, do you have geeks in your life that you buy gifts for? Uh, yeah, I mean, I try to. Um, I have some 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 friendly friends, and then um, you know, my dad's a big big video game nerd, and um, I don't know. I feel like anything can be a nerdy thing. My mom's like into antiques. That's kind of a nerdy thing. Uh, and then you know, my my wife's parents are both nerdy in their ways, yeah. um, liking books, and her dad is a pirate. God, I hope Miles listens to this podcast. My father-in-law is a straight-up pirate, like often sleeps on a boat, dresses like a pirate. Um, Last time I saw him around the holiday times, he looked like a pirate Santa Claus. Phenomenal man um, and a huge nerd. So, yeah, there's always – do you have nerdy people? Not really, no. The rest of my family, except for my – well, the the fun part now is my nieces and nephew – Right, are uh, you know of age to start? Well, they've been you know they've been into the Harry Potter for a while, and my nephew is now obsessed with Star Wars, so uh, I can definitely dive into that with them uh, a little bit, which is fun. But other than that, no, my family is not particularly uh, of the geek persuasion, so it's a lot of uh, all right. So this is your opportunity since they all obviously listen to your podcast. Yeah. Um. What do you what what, what is I it want? like if you were gonna get some gifts? 
what would it be? Like, if you know, if you were a kid that still, you know, got to run down under the tree and see things. Right. But you could I, have adult things if you wanted I them. stopped doing that when I wasn't a kid anymore because I don't run down. And Of course I do. You don't run da- downstairs. You live in New York. There's no stairs. Well, that, that's why I'm out You're of town. You're in an buddy. apartment. I'm what out of you... town specifically so I can run, run down, down the, the stairs. stairs. Okay. My apartment has no chimney. How's Santa going to get in there? That's a fine, fine question. Right? That's it. Anyway. I'm glad that Santa's alive, though, by the way. Every year, uh, Lee Majors, he's getting up there but still alive, has to protect Santa Claus from terrorists. And the that's reindeer, true. too. But sometimes the reindeer die, and there's a movie all about it. Yeah. Look into it. Uh, anyway. Uh, so Christmas gifts. Um, what do you want this year? Gosh, I don't know. It's it's hard. I mean, I I I think the best one I got last year was a I got a gift certificate to Comicsology, because last year was the year I finally embraced uh, digital comics, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, looking at them on my iPad or on my phone, and uh, so that was cool. And I hadn't. I'm always a big like trade paperback guy i never really go issue by issue but having that gift certificate thomasology i was able to catch up on some stuff i hadn't seen in a while and really kind of feel like a a regular comics reader again sure that that was really neat so i'm always i'm always down for more comics in my life i think getting uh if if nobody has ever gotten you the marvel unlimited too uh my wife that's like a subscription service right yeah but it's rad what it is because it goes pretty far up to date not all the way obviously because it's you know it's access to all these thousands of comics but um my wife uses it to go back and read really old stuff for for ostensibly free mm-hmm. you know she goes back and reads like the entire run of fantastic four the whole beginning of it and it's so it's bananas all comics are just ridiculous but so entertaining um sure. because we don't make comics like that at all anymore um but uh yeah that's a great one comicsology is good um, if you want to get somebody something really good and they read current comics but haven't read the uh, a lot of the original stuff, um, Marvel Unlimited. And there is a lot of modern stuff, too. I don't want to paint it like it's just the classics. But yeah, it's a, that's it's a good one. Uh, oh, man. Um, I mean, it's always like corny, bad Blu-rays and stuff, isn't it? That's, that's the sad truth about me. Actually, on my list now is um, cheap shelving for Blu-rays because yeah. my house is overflowing with them. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting some, some Christmas related horror movies. Um, a lot that I've just gotten re-released. Um, uh, Christmas Evil came out pretty recently through Vinegar Syndrome, Vinegar Syndrome putting out, um, Jack Frost, not the Michael Keaton version, although that one is horrific. Um, the actual intentional horror movie, Jack Frost. Um, that movie has one of the most awful scenes, which is the bathtub. It's amazing. Appar- apparently, apparently, the transfer is amazing. So pristine, and it's it it it, it you know uh, this you can is, see every crystal in the snow that makes up Jack Frost. It's a it truly it's some next level stuff. Yeah. It's, you know, Merry Christmas. But there, yeah, that is out. Um, Black Christmas uh, is coming out next Tuesday through Scream Factory. Um, what else is there? Krampus came out pretty recently. Um, there's a million of them. Silent Night, Deadly Night is an older one, but um, I'm I'm a fan of that. If you're cool with slashers and and a lot of titties out, if you're if if that's okay with you, they're very. The first one especially is pretty entertaining, and then the second one has um, is the Garbage Day guy. Look up Garbage oh, that's Day. Right. On, go yeah. go on YouTube and look up Garbage Day. That's really all you need to see from Silent Night, Deadly Night too. But if you want to watch all of them, so that's stuff that's on my list if you want to buy it's amazing that. the sheer number of 
holiday-themed horror films. Oh, yeah. By are. the way, the Thanksgiving one that everybody knows that I forgot from several weeks ago is called Thanks Killing. Thanks Killing. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. It's, just a, it's just like a bottomless well of gifts. That's that what I like. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was. This is we talked about this earlier, which is that if you're trying to buy um, stuff for stuff for a nerdy person and you don't really know, um, I think that as much as you certainly can buy stuff online and maybe ultimately will, um, the smartest thing you can do first uh, is see if there's a comic book store nearby where you live because. Um, they tend to be real nerd emporiums, you know. Yeah. You can get an idea of nothing else, and those are people with expertise. Um, I worked at a comic book store for many years, and uh, the busiest times, surprising, uh, is is Christmas time. And most people that come in come in and say, "My person I know likes this." Like they'll know like one thing, or like a movie they like, or a comic book they read, or whatever it is. They like Harry Potter. They like Yu Gi Oh. Whatever. Go give me recommendations. Um, that's the job. The job is to be able to give 20 answers to that question, to be able to pile that person sky high, you know, with options. And um, that is what I would recommend if you're struggling. Because if you go, there's, you know, most comic book stores will have a lot of nerdy T-shirts. Those are, like, super, super easy things to buy. If you want to get something quick on the cheap, there are blind boxes for literally every franchise. What's uh, a blind box? A blind box is uh, it's a toy usually with a theme for a television show or film or anime or whatever. Uh, but you don't know what specifically is inside of the box. Oh, okay. Um, it, it could be anything, uh, really. It could be, it could be a, a, a severed thumb. You don't know. It's not going to be a severed thumb. It would be pretty cool if it was, though. But um, it's very addictive, the thing, though, is you can get somebody hooked on, a, on blind boxes. Uh, and then if you go big, there are those crazy statues, man, um, or hot toys, which are, like, the neatest thing. These really, really super lifelike looking figures with the faces really look genuinely like the real people. And I don't know. There's really anything. And then if you just want to buy comics, you could just walk out with a huge stack of new comics or a trade or something. Just I don't know. You don't have to actually buy in the comic book store, although you're a jerk if you don't. Um, you could always just buy the stuff on Amazon or buy a comicsology thing for somebody or whatever. But yeah, now I feel bad with going the comicsology route, but. Nah, brick and, brick so and mortars are, are are still doing surprisingly okay. That's a yeah. topic for another day, but um, people still ultimately need to have physical things for all of the many things that you can buy digitally. There's always going to be something that you buy in a physical format, and comic book stores, for the most part, are I think will will continue to persist. Um, but yeah, and if you're in New York, there's a ton of them. Um, Jamelli's Universe is good. Midtown's got a couple locations. Forbidden Planet is where I used to work. Um, so of course. I'm biased, um, and you should go there and screw all those other places. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a million comic book stores, and there are, you know, if you look up online, there's like a literally, literally websites dedicated to where good comic book stores in your area. Yeah. So that's that it's would like be vinyl. my well, yes. You know, it's like it's like the same with vinyl. I, I was reading that vinyl in the UK this year outsold downloads. Yeah. So I feel like there's at least it, you know with comic book stores and with that there's this this return to the idea of this physical medium and expertise that comes with it the people who work there and i think that that's a really well they cool become look they become more there. like boutiques yeah. you know what i mean they're not there to cover the whole landscape they are places that you go and you say ah i know the buyer there and that guy has got really interested that woman or that person has really good taste 
Uh, and so I'm going to come check out and see what they get in because it's not just mainstream stuff. A lot of the really great places will have um, an indie person that they deal with and will take, you know, Forbidden Planet, for example. Again, I don't I can't speak to anybody else, but I know how Forbidden Planet works, which is people can walk in from the street and say, here's my comic. Um, and for the most part, um, as long as there's a, a little bit of extra money on the table, um, Jeff, who's the buyer there, nine times out of ten will say, give me three copies, you know. Mm. So that store has always got all this really wild, interesting stuff. And you'll pay a little more for the little indie books, but the truth is that you're going to get a chance to read things that you might not find anywhere else because they're regional. It's uh, it's like uh, my wife did a, a yarn trade with people where, you know, she would send out stuff from New York, all these different yarns that were sort of specific to the region. And this woman from, like, Denmark sent her all this crazy stuff that you could only get in Denmark. Hmm. Comic book stores can really be the same thing where you'll get an indie comic that is really only selling in, you know, let's say a New York location or wherever. It could be literally any city, any town where this comic book store just gave this one person a shot. So you could be discovering the next big person or a comic that you know and only you will ever know. I don't know. Comic books are cool. Yeah, man. Buy stuff for the holidays. I'm, I'm taking off after this podcast is done. I'm going to a comic book store. Yeah. Inspired me. Um, so that's all the things that you can buy from Adam and I. That's right. You don't get anything. Um, but we'd love to know. Um, what do you want? What's on your wish list? What are you getting people? Where are you going to buy nerdy gifts for your friends? Um, and, uh, yeah, we would like we would like to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. What's on your list for this year? Uh, we got a couple more weeks, so we'll probably be touching on some more holiday stuff moving forward. But... Yeah, but next week's the big one. No, yeah, next week. Next week. week. Make sure you stay tuned for next week. If you're listening to this podcast, know that next week is going to be Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That's right. So many hot takes will we have. Right. A little film from a small independent franchise. No, it's a a big deal. And we we are very excited. We're all going to see it together, I think. Yeah, we're going to be waiting in line, taking turns in line, taking bathroom breaks. Yeah, yeah. All doing, that the, doing, doing the real thing, you, me, and Brian, and a couple of mine. and Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. it is exciting. Who's going to be the guest next week? we got to figure it out. I don't know. Uh, probably uh, Felicity Jones. Okay, great. No, I'm just kidding, but that would be amazing if that did happen. Yeah, that's fine. She's somewhere around here. Yeah. We'll just go down we'll one floor. We'll just call her up. You we'll just go her. down one floor to, to Saturday Night Live and get one of those people. There you go. He'll do it. Anyway, but that, yeah, that'll so be next gonna week. Be, that's going to be next week. Please come back and join us. And uh, in the meantime, rate us, review us, subscribe uh, so that you can hear more of Who Won the Week. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear. We definitely want to hear from you. So that is uh, episode 53. Thank you so much for joining us. Danny, you want to let people know where they can find you on the social medias? Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Danny Ordinary. That is Danny with one N, Ordinary also with one N. And I am on Twitter and Instagram and now Snapchat. You, what are you? I know. It's like I'm some sort of young person. You're old. Uh, it's weird. I just signed up because I was like, I want to see what this is about. But uh, all, You uh, have cat ears and noses and everything. I do not and I never will. But all of the, uh, I say that now. And that it's going to happen. I can't wait. But uh, all those places, you can find me at Rock the Faces. And wherever you find us, we hope that we find you next time on Who Won the Week. Who won the week?